you have a Bible with you today, I want you to open to the book of Acts. All right, the book of Acts. We're going to start in chapter 8, and then we're going to make our way to chapter 11. Okay, Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament, right? And the New Testament is the second uh, part of your Bible. The New Testament starts with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then we go into the book of Acts. So it's the fifth book, and, uh, you know, the Gospels are all about the life of Jesus, and the book of Acts, it really shows us the start of the church, which is kind of a cool thing for us to read the book of Acts and to see how the church of Jesus started. And so find chapter 8, and we'll get to that in just a minute. And this morning, we're continuing this series that we've been in for a while. That was in, that's been entitled Stuck, and it's been really good. Uh, and I think it's been good because talks, a lot of these talks have been about super practical things that we've, that we've all kind of struggled with at times. But, but now, we're actually, over the last week or two, and for the next few weeks, we're going to be switching our focus from the stuck part to figuring out how we get unstuck. And as you can see, we're super cutesy because we put a turkey up there instead of a turtle. Aww, it's Thanksgiving, right? Um, we're genius, I know. Um, but here's the thing, here's the thing. We as followers of Jesus, our goal is to be constantly moving closer to him, to be continually becoming more and more like Jesus, what, what God wants us to be and he, what he wants us to be doing. But sometimes it's hard to do that because we're simply stuck. We get stuck. And these messages over the last few months have been very important to us moving forward as individuals and as a church family. So if you've missed any of these messages over the past few, like the past like two months, just go watch them. Go check them out. You can go on our YouTube channel. You can go on our website. You can take a look at those. Uh, seriously, they're important. If you've missed them, I want you to go look. Because if you miss one of those messages, um, as we kick off this thing in January, this vision, this moving forward, some of you are going to be stuck if we're missing some of the, the things that we talked about. So check that out. Now, today, I'm going to be sharing some of the ideas that were actually presented last week at our Sox Center location um, by a guest speaker. And when I found out I was speaking this week, um, which I got, like, lots of notice, um, Josiah was super proactive about it. Uh, <laughs> that was sarcasm, if you didn't get that. No, it's okay. It's how we roll. Um, but when I found out this, I was like, okay, what do I want to speak on? And I was like, man, what John preached on, uh, he's a missions pastor down in Bloomington, what he preached on. Last week in, in Sox Center, it was so powerful, and I think we need to hear this. And that's what I thought. I was like, these people in Long Prairie need to hear this. So I'm going to be sharing some of his ideas. I switched it up a little bit, of course, to fit me, but uh, it was just so powerful. So we're going to jump right into this, into our passage um, from the Bible this morning. So what I would like for you to do is please stand with me. Just out of respect for God's word, we're going to read four verses, Acts chapter 8, Verses 1 through 4. All right, here we go. A great wave of persecution began that day. We'll talk about what that day is later. Sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. 
But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Let's pray. All right, Holy Spirit, we, we are open. We need to hear your words and your direction today. Don't let this just be my words. My words are not that good without you. And so help us to just get unstuck in this area, this area that is sometimes really, really easy for us to get stuck in. Speak to us, we pray. Open our hearts, open our ears, open our minds so that we um, can be moved by you today. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Okay, uh, a year or two ago, I was, I was driving down uh, Highway 94 with my son Jasper, who was sitting with me up here just a minute ago. He was probably eight years old at the time, and we were going to meet my father-in-law at the mixed stop, uh, you know, what is it, County Road 75 over by St. Cloud, and we were going to jump in his vehicle, and we were going to go to this Twins game bobblehead night. It was actually Star Wars bobblehead night. Come on. Um, anyway, Jasper and I, we're driving down 94. We're coming from Sox Center, and you know, it's been like half an hour in the car, and we strike up this fun conversation about something super important, I'm sure. I don't remember what it was, um, but we were having fun. We were laughing. We were joking around, um, and then all of a sudden, I was like, oh my goodness. We totally passed the exit, and we're 10 miles past the exit. And so I pull off into clear water and I call my father-in-law. I'm like, hey, dude, uh, sorry. You know I'm insane and I don't pay attention. Uh, we're 10 miles up the road. So he, no big deal. He came, he drove up to Clearwater, and we got donuts the size of our head. It worked out. So, uh, <laughs> but I was, I was so stuck in this conversation, which was a very good thing, by the way, very good thing. I loved the conversation with my son, and I wouldn't trade it, okay? But I missed out on what I was supposed to be doing. Now, should I have not had that conversation with my son so I was absolutely sure I wouldn't miss my exit? No, no, absolutely not. It was, it was a good thing. I needed to have that conversation, but, but do you think there was probably a way for me to pay attention to both what was happening inside the car and paying attention to my exit outside of the car? Absolutely, for sure. I could and I should have been doing both of those things, okay? Back to that in a little bit. But right now, I want to look at the passage that we just read a little bit earlier, all right? Verse number one, chapter eight of Acts says, a great wave of persecution began that day, all right? What was that day? Let me give you a little context of that day really quick. Okay, so this is going to sound super sacrilegious because I'm going to say, all right, Jesus died. He raised from the dead. The church started. No big deal, right? Uh, no, those are huge things. But just really quick context. This is where we're at. Jesus died. He rose again. Uh, he, he goes to heaven and the, the church kind of starts. And then soon after that, a man named Stephen Okay, Stephen is appointed as one of seven leaders that the apostles pick. They pick seven leaders to be in charge of this area of ministry, and he starts, starts performing amazing miracles for God. It's this cool, supernatural thing. Acts 6 tells us that some Jewish leaders, they tried to debate with Stephen, and it says that they couldn't stand up to him because the Holy Spirit was working through him. So they had him falsely arrested, and soon after that, Stephen is stoned to death for his testimony of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And Saul, who 
would become known to us as the Apostle Paul. You can read about his conversion later on in Acts. Um, Saul was the man overseeing this stoning of Stephen. So this is that day, okay? Um, This is right after Stephen gets stoned and Paul is watching this. The day Saul oversaw this whole thing happening. So back to the scripture. Verse 1, a great wave of persecution began that day. Sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. So, not only was Stephen persecuted, all believers were scattered because of this persecution. By the Romans, by the Jews, they were scattered. And and this wasn't the only place in the Bible where scattering happens. If you look at the Bible closer, you will realize that scattering or going out was part of God's plan from the very beginning. Okay, I'm going to set this up for you. I want you to see it. God's plan starts with Abram, right? Abraham. And God's first words to Abraham are, leave your nation. Check this out. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country. Literally the first time God speaks to Abram. Abram is going to be the father of many nations, the father of God's chosen people. And the first words he says to Abram is, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Okay, then after just two generations from that, God moves the family again. He takes them out of this land, and this time he takes them to Egypt, where they become this huge population, this huge people of God. Genesis 46, verses 2 through 3 says, God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am, he replied. I am God, the God of your father. He said, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there, right? Twice now. Abram, go, and I will make you into a great nation. Jacob, go, and I will make you into a great nation. Scattering, going, is part of his plan. And then after a while in Egypt, God tells Moses to leave there and go to Canaan, go to the promised land, where they will be witnesses to their neighbors. Okay, this is Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1 and 6 is what I'm going to show you here. And now, Israel, listen carefully to these decrees and regulations that I'm about to teach you. Okay, God is speaking to all of Israel, all the people. He says, obey those decrees, obey them, so that you may enter and occupy the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. Listen to this. Obey them completely, and the surrounding nations will see. Will see. They will see me because of what, how you obey. And then years later, the Jews were exiled into Babylon. And the name of the Lord was lifted up again. Okay, Daniel chapter 3. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Anybody know that story? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown in the fiery furnace. Jesus is in there, goes in there with them and protects them. They come out not even smelling like smoke. And Nebuchadnezzar says, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. Therefore, I decree, listen to this, this is crazy, that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save this way. These people were, were brutally taken out of their country and into this new area so that God could become known to all of these nations. And then we have what we read today, Acts 8-4. The believers who were scattered preached the good news 
about Jesus wherever they went. And you probably noticed what came out of the scattering in all of these instances. I alluded to many of them. They preached the good news of Jesus wherever they went. Because of these scatterings, the church grew like crazy. People were running all over the countryside into all these different places, and everywhere they went, they brought the message of Jesus with them. It was this very organic thing that happened. Well, I'm going here. God wants me to go here, or we're being taken out of this country, and we're going here, and guess what? I'm taking God with me, and I'm going to share it with everybody I'm around. This scattering did some really cool things. There, there are actually um, three large church growth movements like the one that we saw today that I, I want to show you these really quick, okay? The first one is what we talked about, the early church. This, this, this persecution and this scattering to all the neighboring countries or neighboring areas, and, and the church just exploded, okay? Second one, I want to tell you about the, the Chinese church over the last 100 or so years, okay? In China, missionaries were actually made illegal, in 1945. Still to this day, it is illegal to do missions work in China. We still do it, right? But it's illegal. Um, they, the Chinese government tried to eradicate Christianity by, by doing this. But check this out. In the year 1900, there were 100,000 Christians in China. Seems like a big number, right? Check this out. Today, there are between 50 and 80 million Christians in China. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? They tried to snuff the church out by persecuting it, but it had the opposite effect. The church exploded in China. And here's the third example. First one, the early church. Second one, China in the, in the last hundred years. Right now, in present day Iran. This is crazy to me. When, when John shared this, this pastor shared this last week, I was blown away. We hear about Iran sometimes. We think Muslim. We think extremist. 20 years ago in Iran, there were between five and 10,000 Christians. Today, Iran has somewhere between 800,000 and 1 million followers of Jesus. What? Iran. It's absolutely insane to think that a hardcore Islamic country, check this out, it's the fastest growing evangelical movement in the world today. That's amazing. Why? Why? It's completely counterintuitive, isn't it? You'd think that if Christians were persecuted, that it would slow the spread of church growth. But it's absolutely the opposite, in large part because they can't just sit in their gatherings and be content. They have to scatter, and then they take the message with them. We here in America, we have not been forced to scatter we don't face persecution like this at all, which seems like a pretty cool thing when you think about it. Like, wow, freedom of religion, it's great. We've never been forced out. We can become very content and complacent with just hanging in our little club and not going out. In other words, write this down right here. It's easy to get stuck in the gather when we haven't been forced to scatter. It's so easy to get stuck in the gather when we haven't been forced to scatter. I talk to missionaries a lot, and many times I pray for them, and I say, hey, I am going to be praying for you that persecution would stop and that you would be able to share the gospel openly, and they're like, don't you dare. Do not pray that. In fact, 
they say, do you know what we're praying for, for the American church? That persecution would hit America in such a big way that people would be forced to scatter. People would be forced to become serious about their faith. Now listen, it is super important for us to gather, okay? It is important for us to get together, to worship, to hear the teaching of God's word, to get re-energized, and to encourage each other. That is invaluable. The Bible commands us to do it, okay? Don't miss that. Acts chapter 2 tells us that the early church grew in large part because they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, getting together with each other, sharing meals together, and praying together, okay? That's stuff. We need to do that. We need to gather. The gatherings on Sunday mornings, our life groups, our other hangout times with our Christian friends, those things are non-negotiable. It is needed. If you don't do it, you're missing it, okay? But it's not the only thing. To get unstuck from our gather-only mindset, we need to scatter. Without it, the church doesn't accomplish what we are called to do, which is to spread the gospel. And I'm about to say something super obvious, okay? But the good news of Jesus doesn't get spread to others if we don't go out and spread it. Duh, right? Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Paul, and all of those in the early church that scattered, that's what we are called to do as well, to scatter. It's obvious, but we still get stuck. We still get stuck in the gathering, and the gathering is awesome. We're supposed to do it, but we're not supposed to get stuck in it. We need to get unstuck. We need to scatter. Myself and six others um, from our church, I think all of us were from the Sox Center location this time, but we went down to Atlanta a couple weeks ago, and we worked with this organization called Frontline Response to help people in homelessness and sex trafficking. And check this out. This is crazy to me. Um, the first night, we were doing some training uh, with this guy, and he said to me, or said to our group, that there are, at any given time, there are 3,000 and 800 people living on the streets in Atlanta. That is the same population as Long Prairie, Great Eagle, and Swanville combined. Imagine everybody in those city limits, okay, I'm not talking country here, but in those city limits, every single person in the city limits of those three cities living on the streets. This is a huge problem. This is a huge problem. And Frontline is doing an amazing job ministering these people, giving them food, clothing, blankets, and even giving them an opportunity to get off the streets for free. All they have to do is make a phone call. They get picked up, taken off the street, they get showered, they get new clothes, they get helped into long-term housing if they're just doing, willing to do a few little things, like change some of their lifestyles. It's truly amazing. While we were there, we saw it happen. We stopped on this sidewalk, we were walking to this place, and we always brought food with us wherever we went, and there was this guy literally in the middle of the day, 12, nope, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, laying in a sleeping bag on the side of this sidewalk in the middle of, up, you know, just by this super busy highway. And we stopped and we gave him a bag and just said, hey, do you want to get off the street? We got a phone number for you to call right now. And he's like, yep, let's do it. So we made a phone call. Um, we put him in our van. We drove him to a church. He got all of those things. Um, we were in the process of getting him a bus ticket back to Tennessee where his family is. Uh, it was so cool. It was so cool. But what is crazy to me, 
first night in that same training where we were told 3,800 people are on the streets at any given time, uh, one of the leaders talked about how they were short on volunteers for this ministry, this frontline response. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, wait, what? Because you can't drive more than three, pl- three blocks in downtown Atlanta without seeing like a tent city where people are, are living all over the place, in parking lots, in alleys, just on the sides of roads, in medians. Um, it's, it's everywhere. Everybody in Atlanta knows this is a problem. You can't miss it. And there are right around a thousand churches in Atlanta. How can this still be a problem? How can there not be enough volunteers to work with this ministry when there are a thousand churches in Atlanta that know this is a problem and know that there's this ministry that helps them? I know I'm probably oversimplifying it because I know we don't fix everything around here either, but there is no way that if the church wasn't so stuck in their gatherings that this organization wouldn't have enough volunteers. So many people are stuck with, in this right here. And the church in general is stuck in their gatherings because there are so many issues in this world that would not be issues if the church would just go out and be the church. It's the fact. So I hope you guys are with me right now and you're going, you're right, Pastor Corey, we need to scatter. So the question becomes, how do we do this? How do we scatter? Let me give you two great things, great things that we can do. The first one is the great commandment. Matthew 22, 36 through 39. It shows us this fundamental interaction between Jesus and an expert of the Jewish law. It says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And we see this happening in Acts chapter 8. People were scattered to their neighbors, to their neighboring communities, and what do they do? They show the love of God. I mean, how much more loving can you be than showing someone Jesus? You can give them water, and it will help them not be thirsty anymore. You can give them food, and they will be hungry. You can give them shelter, and they can be warm, but you can also give them the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and they can spend eternity in heaven. You can't show much more love than that. And so these people in Acts chapter 8 are doing that, Listen, each of us has neighbors, like literal neighbors that live right next to us. We have people that we work with or go to school with. We have other parents that we see at our kids' sporting events or activities. We have our friends, our banker, our gas station cashier, right? All these people are our neighbors. And you work with different people than I do. And you have different friends. And you have different aged kids that I do. And you go to different uh, uh, grocery stores and different things than I do. We each have a different sphere of influence that we are scattered to every single week. And we are called to love those people and to share the gospel with them. You connect with people on a regular basis. Listen, you connect with people on a regular basis that need you to obey this command. But what makes this hard is that we like to say things like, I love the world. I love mankind. I love everyone. And for some reason, it's easier to say that we love the whole world than it is to say that I love an individual. And and I know you know what I'm saying. Listen to this. As soon as I move from, "I, I love everyone, to, I will love my coworker, Jim. 
all of a sudden it becomes real. You're like, crap, that guy is super annoying. He drives me nuts. Not sure if I want to spend eternity with that joker. And now, how do I show love to that person? Because when it's this ambiguous, like, oh, I love everybody, there's really no action needed. But as soon as you say, I'm going to love this person, there's something that you need to do. And it becomes much, much harder. So the first way we scatter is to get out and to love our neighbors, to follow the great commandment. The second great way to scatter is found in the great commission. Okay, six chapters after the great commandment comes, the great commission shows up in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Okay, go into all the nations. This is very clearly like you need to do this. This is Jesus's, one of Jesus' last things he says to us. Go, scatter, share the good news wherever you're going. Share the good news. We've been looking at Acts chapter 8. That talks about the followers being scattered to their neighbors. But there's a cool companion um, passage to this in chapter 11 that takes it a bit further, okay? Chapter 11, verse 19. The believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death, okay? Same people on that day, okay? The same people, they traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria, They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. Now, all of a sudden, we have the believers that were scattered. They're now going cross-cultural, aren't they? Okay, we're talking about Jews who are preaching to Gentiles. Gentiles, basically anybody who is not a Jew. This is like us preaching to um, uh, the Mexico or Canada or different people that live in our communities. They are going cross-cultural now. They're going to nations. They're, giving, they're, they're living out the Great Commission right here in chapter 11. They're going to all nations, all peoples. Now listen, we have to have a distinction here, okay? We have to We have to have a heart for not just lost people, but also lost peoples. Let me explain. There are lost people in the United States. And these neighbors of ours, they need Jesus. There's no question. And we should absolutely be scattering every single week to those people and loving them like the great commandment tells us to do. But every one of our lost neighbors probably has a neighbor who knows Jesus. That was an obvious statement because you are their neighbor and you know Jesus, right? Most of you here know this. And they're probably within a stone's throw from one of the 380,000 churches in the United States. On the other hand, 42% of the world, 42%, 3.1 billion people have more than likely never been introduced to Jesus as their Savior. They don't have a church even close to them. They don't have access to a Bible. And in their entire life, they will probably never meet a Christian. Yes, it's absolutely a tragedy that people are lost here in the U.S., but they have had a choice. These three billion people haven't even had a choice 
to call on the name of Jesus. They haven't had a choice. They've never heard of him before. Some of you might be thinking, well, okay, I get the neighbor thing. I'll work on that. But this global issue, uh, how is that my problem? I mean, what can I do about it? We have enough problems right here. And you might be thinking, I'm not called to go overseas. And, And you know what? Maybe you're not. Maybe you're not called. But you are called to do something. You might not be called to go, but maybe you are. Or maybe you're called to give, to send others. See, all of us are called to do something in the area of missions. Maybe you don't go, but the great commandment and the great commission, both of those things, they are not the great suggestions. Okay, Jesus isn't like, hey, just got this idea. You know, if, you, if it's not too much of a bother, maybe you can go do this. No, 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 no. These are commandments. Go. Do these things. We are commanded to reach the nations. You are called to do something. But this is uncomfortable, right? Sharing Jesus with others, with our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, it's uncomfortable. And going to the ends of the earth, giving to missions, leaving our families, putting ourselves in danger, those things are uncomfortable. And we Americans are obsessed with comfort. Obsessed with comfort, aren't we? We make things unnecessarily comfortable. We make things comfortable that aren't supposed to be comfortable. Check this out. You remember that rusty old wagon you had when you were a kid? Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You had one of these. There, this is all we needed to have fun, right? This junky wheel falling off, hole in the bottom. And was there anything wrong with this wagon? Well, apparently, it wasn't comfortable enough. Listen to this advertisement for the new radio flyer comfort wagon. Listen to this. The radio flyer ultimate comfort wagon gives your children endless hours of fun. It comes with seat belts for safety. The seats are padded for comfort and can be folded in five ways, providing kids with several riding options. Good Lord. This red wagon, some of you in here are like, oh, I just bought that for my kid for Christmas. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't, just, um, this red kid's wagon has a removable canopy that protects your child from the elements. It has extra large Duratread tires for a noiseless ride. Designed with front axles, the wagon offers safe and non-flip turning. Its expandable rear storage space can hold toys or snacks and can be folded when not in use. And this is the best. The Fiesta Resistance. The radio flyer wagon with canopy also has cup holders to keep beverages handy. Wow. Are you kidding me? Come on! You don't need a wagon to be comfortable. It's like to haul sticks and your little brother that you can throw out. Like, that is the point. But we have to make it comfortable. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand this. It's a cool thing. I love comfort. I love my comfy purple bed. I love a soft chair to lounge in. But our comfort is getting out of hand. We need to stop worrying about our comfort and our safety so much. There are people that are lost. There are people that deserve to hear the name of Jesus. There are people that are deserving of us getting out of our comfort zones and taking a risk from time to time with our money, our time, our safety, our reputation, and our dreams. 
Music team, would you please come at this time? Listen, sometimes we get so wrapped up in our conversation inside the car that we completely forget about what's going on outside. We get so caught up in laughing and having fun with the passenger in the passenger seat that we completely miss what we're supposed to be doing. I did it with my son, and we do it with our churches. We get so caught up in our conversations with our Christian friends that we forget to exit the gathering and go where God wants us to go. Are the gatherings good? Come on, we talked about this for sure. We need those. We cannot stop having gatherings. But sometimes we get so caught up with our programs and our buildings and our events and our ministries that we forget that we are not just supposed to focus on the gathering. We need to scatter to. Scatter into our local communities and we're supposed to scatter to the ends of the earth. We need to do both. Gather and scatter. But there's even a trap of sorts in being on mission together as, as a church. Because we can very easily excuse ourselves as individuals by relying on what the church does as a whole. Okay? Don't miss this. It's amazing that River of Life Church goes on seven missions trips every year and sends 570 Operation Christmas Child boxes and gives $150,000 to missions in one year, and does all these other great things that we can do collectively as a church family. That is awesome. But what did you do? What did you do? Who did you share your faith with? What missions trip did you go on? Who did you invite to church? What did you give? I want to take a few minutes and just connect with God. The music team is going to play a song. And I just want us to take a minute to hear from God and let him speak to us and to move our hearts in this area. So we're going to sing. You ready? Let's do it. I'm always so thankful for church family. It's amazing to be able to gather together on a Sunday morning in life groups like, man, it's not much more to be thankful for than a great group of people to just move God's kingdom forward. But then moving out. So the question just is, what's your part? Who are you scattered to every single week that God is trusting you with? Where is God calling you to scatter to amongst the nations? What is the part that God has for you when it comes to spreading this good news. Man, I want you to think about that. I want you to take some time, maybe even this afternoon. Vikings don't play till three, so you got a couple hours, right? Think about it. God, what do you want me to do? How, how do I reach the people around me? I just want to give you an opportunity this morning to make kind of a decision about this. So maybe just, just close your eyes for one moment here. And I want to ask you this. Who, who here would say, I need to figure this out. I want to be a part of the church scattering. I want to do my part in this amazing mission. I'm, I'm going to take some time over the next few days, and I want to think about what this looks like for me. If that's you, just quick throw your hand up so I can pray for you and just a sign of commitment. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Let's, let's do this. I want to pray right now. Lord, help us with this. 
It's such a simple concept, such an obvious thing, but, it, but it's not easy. Show us the part that we get to play in this. Who are my neighbors? Should I go to the nation? Should I give? What are you calling me to, God? And then give us the courage, the discipline to do what you call us to do. Bless our time as we gather, but don't let us get stuck in it. Send us out. Make our path clear. Scatter us. Now, one more thing before we go. Maybe you've been moved by the compassion and the love of Jesus this morning as you heard his plan of scattering people to share the good news all over the world. And maybe you've never responded to this message of Jesus. But this morning you're thinking, you know what? I, I believe what you're saying about Jesus and his love and his sacrifice. And Jesus wants you to know that you are loved and that you have been saved from your sins, not through good deeds, but by him dying on the cross and having a relationship with him. That's how it works. And if you're not sure that you have that relationship, you can be sure of that today. So I'd like everybody here, if you're not head bowed, eyes closed, just time of privacy and reflection, please do that. And if you are in this place and you are not sure that you are right with God through having a relationship with him and you wanna start that today, I simply want you again to put your hand up so I can pray for you. You say, that's me. I wanna start that relationship with him today, right now. Awesome. Awesome. Here's what I wanna do, I wanna pray. And I want everybody to pray this with me out loud. And if you're making this decision for, to start following God for the first time today, I want you to mean this prayer with your whole heart because they're not magic words, but this is a heart thing between you and God. So let's all pray this together. Pray, God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Jesus, I believe that you are my savior. Please forgive me of my sins. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Can we celebrate that together today? That's awesome. Now, before you go, I just wanna speak this over you, okay? Um, may you be blessed as you are with other believers this week and from here on. And may you go out of those gatherings re-energized, ready to spread the good news as you scatter to the nations. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great week.